Nike Jordan brand early days. We'll get into that, into Stephen Marbury and e-gaming and nonprofits, doing a lot of great stuff. Joining us from Dallas, Aaron Patton. Pleasure to sit down and talk with you, man. Oh man, peace. Uh, love. Shout out the mascot. Shout out to Jimmy. Shout out the mastermind. Uh, shout out to Washington University, man. It's, it's been um, it's been wonderful. Um, you know, I, I travel quite a bit and. Um, you know, every every place I go, I, you know, I, and, and I drove here from Dallas because I like to uh, feel the, the energy and, and um, in this case, in St. Louis, the soul of a place, man. So it's been all love, all love. Glad to be here. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much. The talks were inspiring as, as can be, and you told some great stories and kind of just walked us through um, born in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. I, um... I grew up, uh, my hood, uh, Homewood, is, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely legendary for, for those of us that come from there. And anyone who knows the city um, at all, uh, outside of that, you have the Hill District, which uh, August Wilson made famous in his, in his plays and his works. But um, Homewood was, uh, was the type of place where, uh, you know, we grew up with cats that, uh, like myself, um, you know, we weren't born to lose. We just taught ourselves how not to not to lose and um you know so aaron donald uh was playing for the rams right now right just killing it yeah yeah, he's from around the way we had had several successes yeah and and it was really because you know we just knew that um you know the way that um you know you teach yourself how to how to how to win when you weren't born that way so in other words when you didn't have the quote-unquote silver spoon and you didn't have all the resources around you or the the leg up, if you will, right. uh, you had to pull yourself up. The way you did that, you just out-hustled the next man. Got you. One by one. Yeah. Get your... Uh, something we talked about the other day was uh, a, an important trait was persistence. Yes. And I was thinking about it last night uh, after we left, and I said, you know, resiliency is another... I think that goes with yes. perseverance, but yes. you have to, like, remain resilient. And it seems like in so many different business ventures, it can get tough to kind of get back to that true north. So do you have like any habits and rituals that you've adopted over these years of doing so many different things and daily routines to help you stay, you know, kind of grounded from where you're from and just those principles apply to all the today's logic? Like, what are some basic guiding principles that you you try to use to help navigate? That's a great question. And I think as entrepreneurs especially, um, and yet, you know, what you just said was a hundred because perseverance is one thing, endurance is one thing, but, uh, you know, the link in that chain is resilience and, um, the unlock for that, for that resilience, um, is really, uh, your thoughts and, and the ability to, um, translate a vision into reality and, and, and as a manifester obviously that process in, in and of itself um, is sort of self-reaffirming but it, it's the ability to as I like to say not lose enthusiasm from <clears throat> from one disappointment to the other that that maintains your focus that, that allows you to you know automatically say next play right. like we do in sports you know I, that's why I tell my son he make a mistake next play and so so that but that requires um, you know, more so than some traditional methods, <clears throat> you know, which I've done as well, you know, be that, be that yoga, uh, you know, meditation is something that I do on a, on a regular basis. And, and it's not, it's, you know, it's not sort of the, you know, the, the act or the form of it or 
or how it's being done, but just but just silencing your mind gotcha. and getting to a place where um, your thoughts become uh, they become things, but before they become things, they become your instrument to change simply by the way you're looking at it. As they say, if you want to change the way you're looking at things, change, change the, the way you're looking at yeah, things. Yeah, the perspective. You know? yeah. Abs yeah, absolutely. So, so more so than any sort of you know physical thing or um, you know sort of you know, traditional method, and of course, there's one every month, right? right yeah. You know, it just comes down to the basics, man. And you know, uh, you know, like Hindu religion, things like that. I've traveled the world, and and um, you know, I've been with monks up in the mountains, man. I, I've been in Thailand, you know, awesome. uh, with folks that where you understand, you know, that uh, spirituality is it's, it's all inside, you right? Know, for sure, absolutely. What about reading? Like, I know you've written some books, which we're going to get into, but do you have, do you make that, or kind of where do you go for your source of inspiration and kind of just your daily digest of stuff you let in the filter? You know, there's a lot yes, of stuff you got to filter sure. out, but. Yeah, that's a good point, man. Um, the other thing I do do is, um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if um, you you talk to athletes or, you know, I, I've been, been around quite a few and, you know, I, you know. Contrary to public opinion, they ain't sitting around watching ESPN. Yeah, they're not watching Sports Center. You know, they right. they don't want to hear. You know, they don't want to hear what such and such is saying or what such and such is saying yeah. about them. Um, you know, because that becomes uh, auto suggestion in psychology. You know, right. the things they that can't, can't. other people say about us sometimes we take that inside as, and that becomes part of our belief system, which is what triggers the thoughts that we have. And right. so. The same sequence that I talked about in terms of thoughts become a reality. The reality that you're looking at can be because of the thoughts that someone else is thinking about you. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, 100%. So I try to, um, you know, in, in this, uh, you know, I guess in the same sense, um, you know, um, I, I, I tune out of self, social media, not because people are saying bad or negative things about me, because um, I'm not, you know, fortunately, I'm not in that, I'm not in that class, and even as, as a billionaire. Um, that, you know, is part of my, um, you know, sort of the self-talk that I give myself and not so much for myself, but right. for what I want to do for the world. I don't, uh, I plan to do that in anonymity, you know, so I tune out of social media also just, just more so because of the, um, you know, it, it can kill your time. You yeah, know? I absolutely. mean, you can spend a lot of time there. So I, I tend to, and, to read a lot, okay. um, a couple books that, um, you know, really helped shape and change my life. The Power of the Subconscious Mind uh, by Joseph Murphy. Uh, the Alchemist, you know, many of you probably read that book. Yeah, I got that. Uh, which, is, which is an incredible work. Uh, the Road Less Traveled um, is, is another great book. And, and then uh, the one that inspired my first company, uh, Mastermind Group, uh, Think and Grow Rich. Um, you know, which, which fundamentally it comes down, comes down to desire. Desire and persistence. And uh, outside of that, last thing I would say is, um, you know, I've, I've uh, gotten up on some some philosophers from the previous age that you know probably got lost in the, in the sauce. But uh, Alan Watts, um, you know, on YouTube, just just check out yep. what he's talking about. KRS One, um, you know, quantum physics, quantum mechanics, the fifth dimension, third eye, you know, all those things that um, you know, as we awaken, um, you know, the information is there, but. You know, we ju we just gotta say less TMZ, no disrespect, and right. um, you know, just just seek the sources because it just is just mindless information yeah. to keep you off and That's focusing the on the. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I definitely agree as far as uh, it, it can suck you in, and people don't post stuff that's like you don't post bad things unless you're looking for sympathy. Sympathy. Right. So typically, it's people like everything's the best version of whatever cool stuff you're doing or something. Mm -hmm. So it's like uh, I feel like. Uh, I don't know, growing up, we're similar, you're a couple years probably older than me, but in that time, like, I remember when phones would be busy, yeah. and, you know, like, you'd leave a voice message, and if the machine ate it, or whatever, yeah. and shit like that, so. Uh, Absolutely. So, you've written a book, yes. and you have another book coming, tell us about those. Yeah, so, so the first, uh, the first joint was Under the Influence, which I wrote in 2009, um, you know, tracing the hip-hop generation's impact on uh, sports. Uh, brands and pop culture, uh, you can cop that on Amazon, uh, nice. BarnesandNoble.com, um, and so you know that—that's what I kind of consider my um, low-end theory. You know, that was a classic. Uh, it was—it was Nas's it was Illmatic. You know, it was—it was you know really just um, you know people telling me you need to you need to put your story. You know, you need to talk about it, 
And, um, you know, for me, I, I felt, um, you know, it was just my experience, you know, and, and so, but I came to understand, especially just the process around launching a brand. Um, there was so much to unpack just within the Nike experience. So I talk about that a lot, but then I look at the advertising industry and, you know, where I started, um, you know, at Burrell and at that time in the nineties, you know, you had this confluence of, you know, sort of culture permeating our culture, urban culture at, at that time, as it was called permeating pop culture. And then you had those of us who, you know, came from that culture in corporate America and ad agencies. And so we started to, Mix to translate that opportunity in, in ways that were, you know, weren't distanced or outside of the core brand framework, like with Sprite, Obey Your Thursday, you know, Lord Finesse, Grand Poobah, stuff that we did. Um, and so, and so for me, um, you know, and being in Chicago at that time, um, you know, uh, the, the ad agency helped to, to sort of shape, um, you know, the, the creative influence that I know I could have. And, and so, but with that came a lot of missteps, um, you know, in terms of advertising agencies and sort of co-opting the culture. And so I, I tried to be somewhat of a gatekeeper. Um, in fact, in, in the book, um, you know, I talk a little bit about KFC and they had a commercial with Hammer and he had the Hammer pants yeah. on it. And, and years later, I bumped into Hammer at a conference and he came up to me and I was like, bro, you know, before I can say anything, <laughs> before I can say anything, he said, yo, he said, you was right. He's, and to this day, that's one of my closest advisors, man, especially in technology, man. Yeah. Hammer is, yeah, yeah man. He's like, a great dude. Yeah, like we was laughing while, you know, he went bankrupt or just what he went through, but hey, uh, he reinvented himself mm -hmm. in a way now that it's such he's so stealth. Like, if yeah. I talk to him, dude, it'll be like, yo, man, I, yeah, I just left uh, Apple's largest shareholder, you know, he had yeah. a dinner, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he don't broadcast it, but nah, he, he's yeah, been, he, uh, that's, that's my man. Yeah, shout yeah. out to Hammer Time. Absolutely. My homie Tyron Woodley's, uh, you know, friends with him and talks with him all the time, and it's just... Brilliant man. Yeah. And uh, it's and cool a godly to see. man, too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, early days, Nike. So, kind of walk us through, sound, you know, you've been living in Dallas now, grew up in Pittsburgh, been shy, New York, all over the, the world. How'd you get to Beaverton, and what was, what was the culture like, and just kind of ex describe that experience from day one and just kind of walk us through it. Yeah, no, it was crazy, man. I, um, and shout out to Colin Rashid, that's my dog. Um, the guy that's your world. In the background, one of my favorite CDs uh, are, you know, projects from Colin. But, um, so I, you know, after um, I graduated, you know, being at, at Northwestern, um, you know, it was sort of a dichotomy between just that experience on campus and, you know, private university. You know, yada yada and um you know the the city you know and, and the city that was evolving into um um you know a, a hip-hop force out of a you know sort of house music force and so um you know shout out to uh, my my homie crash uh all the all the mcs um that came that came through the shots it was it was really birthing itself uh, all of that impacted me to the extent um you know that even even as we worked at the agency, and and, and I looked to uh, take myself to a you know to another level, um, you know we, we never left that you know that personality and, and, and sort of the evolution and, and sort of reinventing ourselves and how we looked at ourselves in relation to even corporate America. So um, I got recruited to Nike in um, in, in 90, 95. Um, and you know I. You know, as I like to say, uh, life is designed more so to happen for us than to us. And, you know, because we have the ability to sort of manifest or the ability to, to influence or, you know, sort of control an outcome or at least our desire to control an outcome can oftentimes, you know, create karma, can create situations where, you know, we're somewhere that, you know, we thought we wanted to be, <laughs> but we don't want to be there. That could be relationships on down the line. Um, and for me, there are certain flashpoints, and uh, the first one, just to, to rewind quickly, it's important. Um, in high school, and where I grew up in Pittsburgh, I grew up in uh, Homewood, and as I mentioned, in, in the high school, the, the primary school in, in, in my neighborhood was Westinghouse. Okay. Shout out to all the Bulldogs. Uh, Westinghouse wasn't, uh, at that time, especially, you know, a school that was conducive to what my mom felt would, would enable us to get beyond our hood, which was, um, you know, not, you know, believing that we were products of our environment, but products of our imagination. And so at that time, 
Um, they opened up a, a second school, a new school in that district, uh, Peabody High School. And so uh, my mom devised a strategy where she had me take uh, Russian. Okay. And of course they wasn't okay, Russian. Was uh, not, oh, Russian yeah, in yeah, the hood. Like, well, you got and it. so they, you know, they bust me. You know, I took okay. my classes at Westinghouse in the morning and I bust to, to Peabody. Long story short, you know, uh, uh, close to um, the holiday time frame and that semester, the, you know, the principal said, um, you know, uh, every often we, you know, we just encounter students and parents that just want a little more than we can offer um, and, and bless them for saying that. Um, and so they sent me to Peabody full time, nice. the, the yeah. school that offered Russian. So I took journalism and, and then I discovered, um, you know, just my, my passion and purpose for writing and and went on to um, Northwestern uh, in the Medill School and, and then got into to the PR game and got recruited to Nike and the story I was alluding to really, um, uh, you know, quite frankly, is that, that story of when one door opens or when one door closes, the other yeah. opens. Right. And so, you know, I interviewed for a position at Kellogg's uh, in Battle Creek. You know? Really? Yeah, I was going to be the serial pimp. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I became the sneaker pimp, but it, but it could have gone either way. Uh, and in this case, you know, I interviewed for the gig. I thought I had it. Um, you know, some, in some cases, <laughs> are you like, pumped at this point? Like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, I'm, I'm gonna be like, sending my yeah. kids, and my yeah. nieces, and nephews cereal in perpetuity. Right. <laughs> and, and you know, back home, like cereal yeah. is essential, right? That's the essential aisle at the <laughs> supermarket for sure. Take that so for yeah, yeah. So I was feeling pretty good, uh, but I didn't get the job. And, and then I remember something that um, you know my grandmother told me, which was you know when one door closes, the other one opens. As I said, and. Uh, and, and there's nothing novel in that, but what was novel was the fact that she said it's what happens in that hallway, right in between, Ooh. right. So, um, and, and sometimes that could be one day, it could be one month, it could be one year, but that's when you realize that the time is really an illusion, and and when you when you're moving towards your purpose and you're moving towards your destiny, uh, in a case where you maybe make a decision or a choice that took you off of your path or that wasn't part of the design. Uh, the beautiful thing about the creator and the source in this, in this design is, um, you know, it's, it's not that we're being judged from, from a high or from, from you know, the, the man with the cigar on the throne and taking track of their, all of our uh, rights and wrongs. That was a freestyle, if you all noticed. But <laughs> it, it's more so, um, and wasn't incidental, but yeah, it, it, it's more so just ago. sort of the faith, right, and, and understanding that, um, Karma has to be worked out, um, decisions have to be worked out, and so that everything can sort of redirect you back to that GPS, to that golly positioning system. And so for me, even though I didn't get that Kellogg's job, within two days I got a call from a recruiter that asked about if I wanted to work at Nike. And, and so I went there and, and rest is history. And so I talk about all of that in the first book. Okay. Um, and then the second one I just finished is uh, Under the Influence 2.0. Okay. So I'm really looking at just, you know, the the impact on technology itself, which is obviously the space I'm in now and, um, you know, really covers everything from the so-called digital divide that, you it know, exists. we, we yeah. encountered, yeah, back in the AOL.com yeah. days and, and everybody said, well, there's a digital divide. It's like, no, the divide is in your perception. Right. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's just a different form yeah, of Yeah, but everybody in that community, a non-traditional Communities at that point were adopting technology, and so I look at that. I look at um, the, the you know sort of rise of the digital ambassador and digital influencers, and um, you know a host of other things. Uh, certainly, sports technology, which I'm in, um, and then I, I just hatched a, a book this weekend. So this is an exclusive. Yeah, I know, yeah, for your is... for your podcast. Uh, I love this one, which is uh, gaining traction in the hoopty. Um, That's you know, awesome. Which is you know for for the you know the entrepreneurs and. Everybody in the startup ecosystem. Yeah. It's as bootstrap uh, yeah, as it gets. Yeah, you, you bootstrap yeah. it, and 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 there's some, um, you know, some specifics. And and for myself, having launched um, a few consecutive startups, it, it's really um, your ability to to take that same persistence, desire, persistence, and endurance that we talked about, and then um, apply it against an early stage which is where a lot of people lose their endurance, a lot of people lose their persistence, a lot of people lose their desire Folk, yeah. because of something somebody said about your idea. Yeah. And then, you know, somebody else yeah. is doing it. You take it, it too so, sensitive. Exactly. And so it's like you, you stay Ray Charles to someone out at a certain right. point and you say, I'm just going to I'm going to invest myself. Um, I'm not going to sort of take that auto-suggestion, those thoughts about that are coming from, the you know, sort of the, 
uh, the folks up in, um, you know, up top, you know, screaming down from, you know, from the balcony. Uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take my belief and my idea, but I'm gonna stay flexible enough um, to realize that at, at some moment. I've got to say, it may not look like I thought it was going to be, and that's why it's called a hoopty. Yeah. Because you might have thought that you know it was going to be clear sailing. I got a ride, but the it, ain't, it ain't looking the best. <laughs> I'm trying to get from point A to point B, mm -hmm. and when you get there, you realize that um, the real game is is building enough value in your in your startup and in your business so that the valuation conversation becomes negligible. Because if you have that conversation too soon and you mm -hmm. take the money too soon, yeah. then they're gonna say, okay, Shark Tank, here's what we'll, here's what we'll give you, and we're gonna give you this plus a year's supply of uh, Snickers bars. Yeah, something that's, yeah, <laughs> novelty. Just because we're trying to get rid of them. <laughs> yeah, we got 80%, you got 10%, plus we're gonna send you a year's supply of Snickers bars. And you're like, I don't wanna do that. Right, absolutely. Yeah. So you're, you're recruited by Nike, you're, you, so that required you to relocate to Portland. Yes, so yeah, which Portland, is Portland, Oregon. Yeah. Like, <laughs> at that time, it, uh, shout out to everybody in uh, Beaverton, Oregon, and uh, Portland, and everybody at Nike. Uh, it was a dynamic time, man. I got there in '95, um, and you know, shout out again to Colin. Um, you know, this '90s hip hop music was was infiltrating at the same time that that we were you know, migrating through, you know, through corporate America. And so, um, but at Nike, it was a dynamic place just in terms of the company. And at that point, the stock was splitting and, and Nike was just hitting on all cylinders. Right. Um, and so in, in 97, um, and, you know, I, I had the opportunity to, um, you know, to meet Mike while I came there in 95, you know, headed up uh, USPR. And so I met MJ on a, a commercial shoot. And um, you know, I think the fact that I was younger, uh, at the time I was just 25, uh, I had a I had an innate understanding of the culture and of sort of the mindset of a, you know, of a baller even yeah. I play ball, you know, and and so I think, um, you know, and, and credit to Michael in this in this regard, he didn't often get a get a lot of credit for um, the the things that he brings and and at that point brought to the business that weren't about just my name and my likeness mm -hmm. and I'm cashing in on this Nike check. You know, it was like, it was a commitment, you know, to understanding what the consumer wanted and, and design and innovation and, and so disruption. So very, yeah. very involved as far as like, not just basically, uh, you know, passively doing it, but involved in as far as like input and, you know, sneakers and Absolutely. just, okay. Yeah, no, there was no, there was no rubber stamp involved in gotcha. anything you know um and to be perfectly honest that the design of the jordan itself was really a process between um three people and, and mm -hmm. you know it was michael and tinker uh and myself and then outside of that sort of um and 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 part of that process uh as well were you know people like gentry humphrey david bond peter rupee of course mark parker now who's ceo I uh, was overseeing footwear at the time, but when it came right down to it, it was it was Michael and Tinker. Okay. You know, and, and my role was was really to um, to facilitate that transaction, well, yeah, you know, which is a creative yeah. transaction. Right. Where, which is tough because you got yeah. so many different. By like this guy's worried about this, and right. once these boxes checked, and and over here this guy's worrying about. You know, yeah. it's like yeah, yeah, you kind of yeah. got to like. It wasn't easy. Fit, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like the label together. going to tell Michael Jackson we need the CD tomorrow. Right. You know what I mean? It ain't ready. He's in the studio. And and he's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because know. that single that you think is the single is not the single, you know? Right. Um, and so MJ was the same where, and, and Tinker especially, you know, he wasn't, um, you know, he, he didn't feel subjected to sort of the, you know, the financial, operational, right. he just supply had chain mm -hmm. driven, you know, sort of pressure, you know, and sales, quite, quite honestly, that came from, you know, okay, what's it look like? Because not only does the, you know, the, the, the forecast or the futures of this business rest on it uh, in the basketball category, but it's the Nike brand we're talking about, you know, uh, that, that dictates so much right. uh, from a Jordan perspective. So um, I found a way to, um, you know, sort of bridge those two, uh, re you know, recognizing, uh, um, you know, the sort of purity that, that Tinker approached it. 
with um, and just realities of the business. And so, um, and you mentioned the 13, mm -hmm. as we were talking about earlier, and yeah. that, you know, that's a great example of that where, um, you know, uh, we were notorious late. <laughs> but even when I would walk, even when I would walk past the office, or they come peep in my office, or we'd be playing ball at the fitness center in the Bo Jackson, and they'd be like, you know, so how's the, you know, how's the yeah, yeah. coming along? You know, like, on target? Yeah, yeah. but you know, I wouldn't run right to Tinker's office like, right. hey, you know, we got to do yeah, this you'd be like, because I would have been, still, yeah, <laughs> he would have ostracized me in that other, um, in that other, you know, sort of, um, uh, you know, perspective on right. on how people. You know, sort of said one thing to him, yeah, yeah. If you start pressuring them, you're just like all these other shit. Yeah, so I let it ride, and you know, in this case, like with the 13, I was reading an article on MJ and sort of his. We had just done a commercial where you know the 9,000 shots commercial, and Mike was talking a lot about just sort of his mentality and you know, sort of as in in the case we're talking about auto suggestion that the other side, you know, which is what people say about you, mm -hmm. but it's also the things that you say to and about yourself that, that really define who you are. And at that point, Michael was like, you know, I, and that's if you if you look at that commercial 9,000 shots, it's basically Michael talking to himself. I missed over X number of shots in my career, mm -hmm. da, 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 and I, you know, I missed, you know, more than 9,000 whatever shots, and that's why I succeed. Yeah. And so it's really the mentality that um, I was gravitating toward and uh, found this picture of um, MJ going um, up against Magic Johnson playing D real tight on him. And, you know, I just kind of showed that to Tinker and just got into a conversation. And, um, you know, and that was the result of a conversation that I had, had with Michael. Um, and, and so I didn't say to Tinker, I was talking to Michael and he said right, this. Right, right, right. We just had the conversation and then he, you know, he took yeah. it from there. And the whole black cat notion, which was Michael's uh, nickname. and. Looking at the outsole and even the midsole, that shoe, you'll see the the cat's paw and then the hologram yeah, on I mean, the outside. The eye is just like it's that's incredible, man. I mean that that's super cool for you to be able to be that involved in such an iconic brand and um, still have a lot of you know career. So you know we could get into Nike all day, I'm sure, but at a certain point, you're saying, hey, you know what? It's time to I may be ready to do other things or Kind of, what was the, um, you know, I know you've gone on to do several other things, so going from Nike, leaving there, like, A, I'm sure that did a lot as far as learning things that worked and didn't work. I'm sure you learned stuff not to do from Nike just as much as you learned what to do, but kind of walk us through after kind of getting ready to depart Nike, what's your mindset and kind of, you know, what all had you accomplished? Is the Sprite? commercial and things like that prior to leaving Nike or that that yeah. stuff was with Nike um, that was prior to Nike that was, okay so, oh that was prior um, yeah so, and so that was like early 90s okay like nine probably 91 I graduated in 91 so like 91 92 gotcha um, I got to Nike in 95 um, and so uh, you know being there you know through the mid 90s and the golden era of hip-hop allowed us to do things like, you know, reach out to Common, um, you know, most deaf, Tommy, you got Jay's. That's like and the bring them into thing. the fold. Yeah. Uh, ludicrous even um, uh, at a certain point. And, um, and being in the loose, shout out to Nelly uh, and everything that uh, he did with Nike. And, and so during that, during that whole time frame, it was, um, there, was there was a lot of disruption. Um, and at the same time, there was a lot of... Um, you know, sort of um, red tape and bureaucracy that, um, and perceptions that, you know, we had to encounter just in There's terms so of much hip hop of, yeah. and the culture and, you know, how much is too much and, you know, uh, the role of it and sort of, you know, trying to, you know, co-opt it or manipulate it versus like, no, we got to stay pure to it. I mean, you know, we, we went through a lot in, in, in that era and um, even at places like Nike where, you know, most people, you know, Nike got, uh, you know, sort of a, a pass in perpetuity, if you will, primarily because of the, the type of athletes uh, and the personalities and the image and the imagery that was associated with those athletes 
they gave it that credibility and the, they gave it that that credibility in the culture that was that was really just about a byproduct of okay we got kg well you're not going to do anything with kg right <laughs> you know right. or you know um and, and countless others the whole revolution uh, uh campaign the barbershop campaign shout out to c web um you know all all of the um you know sort of uh, opportunities that <clears throat> nike was afforded and to its credit um you know and i'm saying this from a position of respect um, and in, a, in, in sort of a, you know, a objective uh, perspective now that, um, and not just Nike, so many uh, benefited from, you know, really what was, uh, and there's a chapter in my previous book called The Hip Hop Innovator's Dilemma, Corporate America's Hip Hop Innovator's Dilemma, which okay. is really, um, and in the original book, uh, Innovator's Dilemma, it talks about you know, where most companies invest in the technology they know, they invest in the things that they're comfortable with and, and sort of this new opportunity, this this new audience, this new product requires a whole level of sort of investment and time and understanding. So eventually they say, okay, a second down, we're gonna go ahead and punt. Right. <laughs> right. And and so uh, the, the urban culture was, was just that, but what most of the companies missed was what we all knew, which is you get so much you get so much sort of value add by way of word of mouth that you didn't pay for. Yeah. Endorsement that you didn't pay for, you know, which is someone in their rhyme talking about a Jordan or a Nike or an Adidas or whatever, and you didn't pay them to do that. That was just what was authentic to their experience. And so so we understood that. And so, so we, we sort of pushed, um, you know, the, the brands in that direction. But ultimately ran into a lot of those challenges because they just, um, they still, uh, for the most part, wanted to look at it as something that was, you know, sort of more of an outlier, uh, to, to, you know, to use GLAD. Well, you know, and, and in business school, those that, that understand it, when you run a, a regression analysis and, and statistics, you know, you have sort of a bunch of dots that are all in, in, in one place, located mm -hmm. in one place. But then you have these outliers that lie outside yeah. of it. These anomalies. Uh, yeah, and these anomalies. And so for a long time, it was looked at as the anomaly. And, and we knew that um, it was really, proverbial speaking, the case of the tail wagging a dog. Um, and, but, but it took a while for you know, corporate America and for agencies to realize that. And so we, you know, we, we dealt with a lot of, um, I guess it was you know, sort of the civil rights of uh, you know, uh, corporate America that was operating around heard. the same yeah. time. Yeah, we, and there were those of us that chose to boycott and say, you know, I'm not going to sit down there and just, you know, let you guys run whatever ad that looks like this. Right. You know, if we're going to be Heineken and we're going to do an ad talking to the people, it's got to be the head nod commercial, you know? Right, absolutely. So, if you were to say describing working with MJ, in a couple of words, what's what's that really like? I mean, that's being that close and having that type of relationship. There's a lot of pressure with like, a, it's just I'm sure cool as hell. But then b, making sure you're not like a pain in his butt while he's trying to win games and championships. And so, kind of walk us through this. Kind of just describe working with MJ in general. Yeah, I would say that uh, the, the the thing that would come to mind would be um, surreal. Um, you know, to choose a word. That's um, great. And even after, um, you know, that, that you know, <clears throat> excuse me, that that was moments. Um, you know, like winning the championship and the fifth and the, the sixth championship and being in the locker room. You know, with the champagne. You know, getting sprayed. And, <laughs> um, going to the club after that. And, you know, uh, they all rolling in with their uniforms on. Uh, ah. Y'all ain't changing. <laughs> Y'all ain't changing. You know, just yeah, and it just we, you know, and that was in Chicago. That was a six one, and um, you know, I, one of my favorite pictures. I have a picture of uh, MJ in the locker room. You know, hit, you know, yeah. dousing us with the champagne, and um, so that so there was those. You know, there were those moments, and then then there were just um, you know moments like. Um, being in uh, Paris um, uh, with, with him and it was just, you know, myself and him just talking through life um, and, and talking through, you know, the business, but, you know, just, just really heartfelt conversations on, you know, manhood and, um, you know, the business and journey and yeah. vision and, and things that, um, you know, I'll always take away just because they, 
you know, they were, um, you know, few and far between where, you know, when we get together, it's, you know, you have those moments, but it's, it's sort of wrapped up in a, you know, sort of time frame of getting this done and that done. Um, you know, whereas, you know, I like to think about those times where, you know, we just had time together to uh, just, you know, just kind of uh, talk it through because I was such a, I was a young dude. Yeah. And, and, you know, so, so there were times where he was like, you know, where he pulled my coat a little bit, which, um, which I needed, right. you know, which I needed and, and appreciated. So, so I would say that and then just, um, and the surreal part of, you know, uh, before I leave there, just driving down the expressway and, and the Ferrari joined in. Yeah. He had the, you know, the window down just enough so when people look over, you know, you but you can't keep bit, looking, yeah. you know, and, and um, primarily, you know, the cigar smoke or whatever, but, yeah. but for me, that was, you know, that was the second right. level. I'm looking at all these people looking in the car and, right. and um, you know, and so, but, but it was always love and, um, you know, just an appreciation, but, you know, those kind of stolen moments, what? Um, you know, were special, but, and then just the innovation and the desire to, 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 to create um, something I'll, that was totally differentiated colossal. from anything else out there. If anything looked like something, if anything felt like something else, MJ was like, "No, nah, we don't need to do it." That's deep now. Hanging out with him, what do you know? What his, his favorite Jay is, and then if you want to admit it, like what Man, was he? You know, what was he always sporting the most? The, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get the inside. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's a tough one, but I know it's tough to even think about because I'm sure you had a gang of them. I'll put it to you like this: one of one of the um, the patent leather, the ten, the ten, <clears throat> yeah. Um, and I would say that, and he may disagree with that, okay. but I would say that from from the perspective of um, his, you know, his input into all into the products and the product creation process for everything was pretty much consistently universal. Um, but on the 10, um, you know, I was born more so out of his, um, his desire as a youth and, you know, coming from humble beginnings himself, mm -hmm. uh, always wanting to, you know, be shiny, you know, have, you know, like from the penny loafers or whatever it was. And, and so, and you can imagine if you're designing sneakers and then all of a sudden, uh, somebody is talking about, um, let, let's put some patent leather on this sneaker. Everybody's gonna say, what? Yeah. But that came from him. Really? And, and, he, and he, he said this specifically in the meeting as he was, as he was famous for it. Watch what I tell you. Um, there's gonna be someone at the Grammys on the red carpet wearing yeah. these. And lo and behold, yeah. and you can do the research yourself. Boys the Men oh, yeah. came out on the red carpet in the Grammys, rocking them. them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And 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 he knew that. And and so, um, you know, I, I would I would probably think that somewhere deep down inside, that's if not his favorite, that's one of the most gratifying Jordans that, that he's done. Gotcha. It's always nice when you get it right. No. Yeah, because how often does that come from an athlete? You yeah, know what I mean? exactly. Like, and just you know, like that type like, of insight. Yo, 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 that's cool. And it's you such know? like a wager of yeah. like, a, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm that confident. Yeah. And vision. Right. You know what I'm saying? To, to be able to see into consumer behavior and culture enough to say, you know what? Somebody going to rock this on the red carpet. Right. You know, and not just because it has the jump that foresight. It, but because it's dressed design. up. Yeah, yeah we're going to yeah, dress yeah. it up. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a, it's one of my favorites for sure as well. So I know you said the 13 is your favorite, obviously, yeah. with like the hand and helping to yeah. kind of get that going. Four, especially when, after that, the four, four. Um, and then the 14. Okay. Know, the 14 is, um, you know, and, you know, I traveled that one from sketch to finish too. But, it, you know, it just is, um, you know, I think Tinker was just, he was in a zone, you know, because... Um, as much as the, uh, the 10, um, you know, ha ha has its place and will ever, have, mm -hmm. you know, sort of have a place and hold a place in sort of the historic top, mm -hmm. whatever, Jordans, it was one that Tinker paid a heavy political price for. Really? You know, Michael was playing baseball. Oh, yeah, yeah, You yeah. know what I'm saying? And right. so, so, so that, and that's another reason why that one would be important to MJ, because at that point, you know, the sales organization, everybody else, they're like, okay, what's next? Right. You know, yeah, they, they <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and Tinker is now in meetings like, no, this is why you got to believe in this. And then it's not because he's going to be on ESPN and flying through the air and doing this and that, but because right. of the purity of the design. And, right. And, and, and so, so that shoe to me is, 
um, it, you know, is pivotal in the in the sort of evolution of the Jordan brand in the era of Jordan more so than people give it credit for. Absolutely. So taking all of the Nike experiences into account, where do you go from there? You know, I um, Nike Nike is the kind of place where you know they're, they're really two you know paths, if okay. you will. And one is a path to what you call a lifer. Okay. Like upper and, management. And that's very necessary because the culture is what keeps it. Okay. And so you need people that have been there 20, that 30 years. That aren't going nowhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that you, know, you, that, you know, are just chasing shiny objects. And, you know, they're going to tell you what you need to know and what you need to hear. If you're, you know, Phil Knight, Mark Parker, Tom Clark, the previous president. Um and then there are those who, who spend, you know, probably a, a good five years at least, but somewhere between five and ten, and most usually, you know, at five or somewhere around there and say, you know what, I'm going to take this knowledge, I'm going to take this experience, I'm going to go somewhere else. Gotcha. And, and leverage it, you know, for, for my own business or, or platform or, um, More, you know, yeah. in some, went to other brands, which I, I you know, I refused to do at that point. I, right. You know, because MJ, you don't go to the competition. MJ didn't take kindly to, right. you know, Captain showed up in Adidas yeah. you know, two oh, months yeah. later. Or, yeah. You know, um, and so I, you know, I chose to, um, you know, start my own company and my own business and went to New, to, to New York to do so. Um, and um, early on had the, uh, the, the good fortune, really, and, and the awareness um, to recognize, you know, even within a general market agency, I was with uh, Edelman at the time. Okay. And, uh, shout out to Edelman, Richard Edelman, you know, really one of the greatest mentors that that I've had, and, and really helped me un understand how to operate an agency, which is which is what I wanted to ultimately do. And so, um, I had the good fortune of meeting uh, Kevin Davis, uh, God rest his soul, uh, Venus and Serena's uh, long-term attorney, and at the time they they were looking for. Um, uh, publicist okay. and and Kevin was like you know uh, I want you to get in the mix and you know because uh, Venus and Serena had all these you know alpha males around them and they right. you know they, they wanted to you know sort of uh, balance that out right um, and so you know Kevin was like well to balance that out I want you to at least talk to him and so um, which I did and, and, and actually ended up um, uh, working uh, with them uh, after the Indian Wells controversy, which was the tournament, the N word, yeah, you know, yeah, was yeah. tossed at them. It was, it was kind of a crazy yeah, time like, frame, and then they were going to the Erickson after that. And so, um, you know, I, I worked, uh, you know, with with Venus and Serena, and really just, um, you know, we brought Wrigley's Double Mint as a partner into it. Uh, the distinctively different campaign we did, uh, but I, but I was really, you know, sort of inoculating them from the controversy so gotcha. you know I had them at the conference call so one reporters would say what do you think about you know some you know yeah. are you afraid to go out because yeah. of what people may say I'd say sir can we please keep the questions <laughs> ah. <laughs> yes. you know I what I mean? so I anyway so so, we, yeah. <laughs> so but the good thing is um, they started tapping me. They was like, "Aaron, we got it. We yeah. got it." No, we'll and so they, so, so yeah, yeah, so they were answering all the questions. Relieving and, duty. And yeah. Even to this day, you know, if you if you watch them, I mean, they they don't have. They're not talking from you know talking points or right. whatever. It's from like, the heart, yeah, man. it's from the heart. So so anyway, we we, uh, we worked together. Um, you know, I ended up taking Venus to Stephen Barry's um, after you know the whole Starbury movement, mm -hmm. which after Nike was really. For me, the next chapter and, and hooking up with Steph and uh, launching a, a $15 sneaker that, that nobody thought um, could ever be done. But but I, w I was clear from <clears throat> excuse me from the beginning uh, when Stephen Barry's call you know first reached out to me. You know I, my question to them when they said you know we got an NBA athlete we want to do a $15 sneaker with. I said, okay, if it's one of three people, I'm good. Okay, let me hear the three. <laughs> Allen Iverson. Okay, AI. Kevin Garnett. Okay, KG. Or Stephon Marbury. Marbury. And then I and, and, and I was real talk, 100%. Now is he still in, um, so he's ex NBA or he's still in? No, nah, he was still in the league okay, at that gotcha. time. In fact, he was with the Knicks. Okay. He had just gone to the Knicks, and so it was a great time because, and this was uh, 2004 mm -hmm. or six. Um, and and so at that point, 
it was a it was a you know a dream come true. Stephen Barrys is based in New York, um, and so and so you know Steph is with the Knicks, Madison Square Garden. Just right there. It was a match made in heaven, you know. But Stephen Barrys didn't necessarily know how to bring his shoe to market, and so so that's where I came in and. Um, so, you know, so me and Steph built just a relationship that was uh, beyond, you know, just this business, the business, yeah. yeah. So with with making Jordans that's like a top-of-the-line sneaker and being part of that and then getting involved with something that's trying to compete coolness-wise with that top-level Jordan, but construct it in a way that allows you, and I'm sure it's not too far off, like the Marbury mm-hmm. costs weren't too far off from what a Jordan cost was at manufacturing, yeah. if you think about it, mm-hmm. but just the concept of like, using your marketing stuff to go from one end of the spectrum to the other, kind of what, was that an easy transition because you just kind of knew or was it tough to think like, oh, damn, we would do this over there, but like, you know, getting kind of just a, mm-hmm. seems like that's kind of going from one side of the coin to the other as far as like pushing that product. Yeah, great question. Um, I mean, it, it really was you know, it's polar opposites. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, I, so I come from, you know, price equal status. <laughs> <laughs> I spent 400 yeah. bucks on this just yeah. to be like, you just ain't up stunt. on this, yeah. you know? Um, and so, so that's, and that, that's to be perfectly honest, that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons I took the challenge. Yeah. Um, because it, it, it forced me to, um, to challenge my own beliefs, my own, you know, sort right. of belief system and, and what I was about, what I was made of, and what I wanted my legacy to be about. Right, and not even to cut you off there, but yesterday mm-hmm. the one, one of the questions that the Coffee with Creators was, like, what moral responsibility did you have on people getting, you know, like, all the Jordan controversy, okay? Like, at a certain point, you can't do too much about it, but you still know that the brand has a little bit of that. To then be able to offer the community a $15 sneaker and be in like it's dope, it's certified by, you know, like that's kind of like a, another blessing if you think about it for the yeah. fact that, like, out of success of all that, it got so successful that people were willing to have no morals and, and mm-hmm. try to steal your product. Yep. Okay, but then at the same point in time, now you're coming back with something that's like, hey, y'all. Boom, you can stay fresh and like your yeah. parents can afford these and you know, like yeah. what what about St- Marbury kind of like why why did he want to solve that problem? Is that something that he ever disclosed to you or just Yeah, kind of- no, I mean that that was literally uh, became evident day one where um, we were we were at Steph's house and so the uh, you know the Stephen Berry's uh, uh, team and uh, you know the, the marketing team. You know they had prepared basically a presentation, and and then I had a you know sort of role in the, in the conversation. Right. And so uh, they, we sit down. Steph comes downstairs, and we sit there. And then um, you know, so, so one of the guys goes into, you know, we're excited about this partnership and doing a shoot. It's fifteen dollars and great price value proposition and. You know the moms in Iowa won't have the. <laughs> yes. So if you sold it for fifteen, and it, and it, it when he said that when he said the moms in Iowa, uh, Steph said, "Yo." Yeah, like that's not. Yo, yeah. like like literally uh, in the meeting, like yo, who is this dude? Like right. he can't be a part of what we're doing. <laughs> like, He's out. Like, yeah, like the survivor, yeah. right? Right. And um, <laughs> and so and so at that point. Um, you know, it's like, well, I think once you hear what Aaron has to say, you know, whatever. Right. Uh, it's like when you got a fast break and you're coming down court and somebody throw you the pass, you know, off your leg, but you still manage See to See what grab. he does with it, yeah. <laughs> um, think fast. And, you know, and credit to them, that was all they knew, which was right. true. So what he was saying was true. Right. But it the just piece that they early, didn't understand yeah. at that point was just that, you know, Steph was looking at it more so like, this I'm, is the my, ro- I'm the Robin Hood for mm-hmm. the hood. Right. You know, he was, he was more so looking at it like, you know, I can now go to the people and say, you know what? Here, take you my, get my pay, Yeah, you don't have to pay $150 for sneakers right. no more because yeah. I went out and hooked up with these cats. And that was just sort of a, you know, uh, a conversation that they, they weren't ready to have at that point. But I was. Yeah. Um, and that's what made it work. You know, we, we, we all did what uh, we were best at um, and learned uh, other areas because I wasn't. 
a master of supply chain to the point that they were where you know they could do a fifteen dollars sneaker right. because they Make were able work. to look at the margin and 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 really eliminate you know inefficiencies and be very efficient things that I've you know adopted to this day. Um, and so, but but what we put forward that day and uh, shout out to Tony Lawler, my creative down in uh, uh, down in Charlotte. Um, we put together uh, a campaign that, that mirrored the Nas Illmatic campaign. Okay. And so we went to Steph and his family to give us some early pictures. And so we took a picture of uh, Steph superimposed behind, you know, with Surfside Gardens his hood, and, and Coney Island behind him. And he's like, yo. <laughs> That's crazy. You know, yeah. So, so, that, uh, so it was really about, or we took things like, um, um, I think it was either um, a BDP, um, or whoever said it ain't where you're from, it's where you're at. Yeah. And we put, you know, where you're from defines where you're at. So we kind of co-opted, you know, hip-hop quotables. And, right. and we related it to the fact that, because Stephen Barry's from the beginning, they, they wanted to do just a big ad that said, 15% off, NBA athlete shoot. Yeah. <laughs> and we just, said, uh, yeah. that might not go over so well. <laughs> yeah, like, so, it's, so, it's already discounted. Yeah, in fact, that will make people turn the other way in right. the culture, right? Because yeah. it's like, nah, I'm not doing that. Yeah, you know, so, very talking to you. Yeah, yeah, but for them, that was price value proposition. Right. You know, but for us, we, we, we said, let's... So speaking in fact, forward. we didn't put... Uh, the first ads we did, we didn't put... Um, um, and then we, so we took those quotes, uh, then at the end of it, we put, you feel me. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of like, you feel yeah, me. That, that and, little yeah, bit. Yeah, so we didn't have Stephen Berry's on there. Yeah. We didn't have Starberry on there. We just got people to buy into sort of the, the brand voice at that point and to, to buy into a movement. And then we, we layered in the other brands. That's awesome, dude. So did, did he ever have any, like... NBA or like Nike deals or other stuff that he left and did this from or was do you think there was some of no. the fact that maybe he didn't get those things said fuck it I'm gonna do it myself yeah that's exactly what happened okay. I mean, and one of the things I respect most about uh, Steph you know to this day is um, you know he's not with somebody would classify as a classic entrepreneur unfortunately right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know there's a reason why people like Mark Cuban respect Steph so much um because I mean, he, he's always manifesting, <clears throat> but he's he's got a heart and 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 a level of authenticity with what he's doing that is bigger than the profit motive. That's bigger than anything that's associated with the economics of it. Although he's well aware of that, and 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 obviously leverages it in the ways that um, the game would dictate. Um, but at the end of the day, it's about something that's bigger than basketball. Right. About something that's uh, going to move the needle, not just in an industry, but in the lives of young people. Um, or even as we were on a tour, you know, he'd have special needs people come sit next to him when he signed autographs, or yeah, he would give someone a gift card for five thousand dollars to give to, to a family. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's and so for that reason, everything has really and was really uh, independent. Um, in terms, and, and once Starberry was born, um, that IP, um, you know, nothing, it went everywhere um, in, in, a, in a partnership that was, you know, sort of shared and conducive or it didn't go. Right. And that's why I said, you know, even as LeBron and some guys, you know, at that point, um, you know, still early in their careers and, you know, not sort of matured yeah. all the way through the game. Um, you know, we're saying, you know, the, the Starberry shoe and, you know, I think LeBron said at that point, you know, we, at Nike, we have a higher, right. um, you know, whatever, uh, discipline around or mm -hmm. uh, creating Traveling our market. shoes, yeah. which makes, it justifies the long price that he, he never, you know, yeah. maybe even saw, but <laughs> approved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and, just and, and Steph came out and said, this. you know, uh, I'd rather own than be owned, you know, and so... I think that's been uh, very critical, and, and both are necessary, both are key. Not everybody, not every athlete is going to be an entrepreneurial sort of, right. you know, mindset um, that comes to it, um, and so there's room for both. I mean, you know, but it, but in either event, I think what, what Steph has done and, and the legacy of Starberry is it said, you know what, we can do it for ourselves, or we can play a more active role right. than we can, just we can make We can make money and make a yes, difference, exactly. and that's kind of the... What I feel like that a lot of businesses now are more so being founded on, but you guys were like early, like founding fathers of like business for good basic ethics with 
Just yeah, that was, that was my introduction to social impact and becoming a social entrepreneur. So do you think uh, that's what led you into the nonprofit work that you're currently doing? Absolutely. absolutely okay, so yeah. you took how? So your last. So first off, the organization name one more time is uh, Project Zoom. Okay. Uh, which uh, the nonprofit I started, and, and our our purpose really is to um, expose and provide equip. Uh, this next generation of social uh, innovators and social entrepreneurs um, and, and provide them with an opportunity to um, you know reimagine the world by traveling and seeing it and um, and so you know we've got two pieces to the uh, cur- curriculum really the first is zoom in okay uh, so we nice. zoom in and, and we, we study uh, a transformational leader around social change or social impact okay. because most of the young people in our communities are they're predisposed to to this type of leadership because uh, systems around them are failing. Okay. The structures around them are failing. Right. And so, so naturally, they, they're figuring out ways to reimagine it or reimagine themselves. And so, uh, so we zoom in and pr- place that in the context of social impact, social innovation. We have some outside speakers come in. Uh, for the first group, we studied the um, uh, the legacy of Nelson Mandela. Um, and so we, we always have a, a social entrepreneurship uh, piece to the our first uh, component. Mm-hmm. And so they sold the Mandela Bangle, which was part of the 46664's prison number. That was part of their initiative to, to raise money. So that was our Girl Scouts. Okay. Um, you nice. know, raising money for the trip. But uh, special thanks to uh, AT&T um, and uh, Fossil Group, uh, both of uh, which... Um, uh, supported uh, the trip so uh, so that's the zoom in piece and then mm-hmm. for zoom out uh, we take the kids on a week-long immersion in another country and um, uh, we took eight kids from South Dallas to South Africa which um, you know it's it's life transforming in in so many ways and um, and so while there it's, it's basically an immersion so so we take five days each day has a specific objective um, you know from human rights to social change um, uh, social entrepreneurship and just sort of business and culture. So uh, we visited the um, NBA Africa offices. Okay. Uh, yeah, shout out to Amadou and um, uh, Earl Patton and the whole crew. Um, uh, you know, this really helped Africa, you know, get on the map. And, and if you think what you're seeing now in the NBA right. is not by accident, even in, in NCAA, right. that's probably the biggest trend that's going to hit the NBA over the next five years. Think so? from Africa, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely, absolutely. Because they focused on the fundamentals. And, and we saw, you know, we went to camps and clinics while we were there. They weren't even shooting the ball for a whole hour. Right. It was just fundamentals, you know, dribbling. dribbling. Yeah, you know, just just making sure position and uh, spacing and, and all the things that you need to be um, uh, successful. So so we spent a day doing that. We have a, a culture day. We went out to Soweto uh, to um, uh, Hector Peterson uh, Park, uh, the young man that was uh, murdered in apartheid. Uh, he's got a memorial there. We literally were in Soweto, or Mandela's, uh, uh, you know, where he grew up in Desmond Tutu. They they literally on the same block, you know. So we got a chance to do that, and then you know, see some of the political uh, uh, old prisons, um, uh, and um, uh, it was so. It was it was uh, probably the most uh, impactful thing that I've, that that I've done is uh, been to do that, and so we we plan on. Um, uh, looking at India, you know, next trip, and, and really looking at different places, you know, Gandhi, who was uh, imprisoned in South Africa, by the way. Um, really? <clears throat> yeah, so we'll take that that transformational leader and then that leadership and what that meant for social change, and then we actually go to that place. Yeah, that's to pretty cool. And, and, and just the simple fact that they got to hustle a little bit to make it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good important. because, like, it shows you, like, you can get out there and if you beat the bushes and you stay, yeah. you know, persistent, resilient. Yeah. And what was cool about that is uh, when we went over there, and I'll send you the, uh, the video, uh, but we went out to a township in, uh, outside of Soweto in Johannesburg, <clears throat> and they got to see some people that weren't living so good. And, and even though they're from South Dallas in the hood, I told them, yeah. I said, y'all need to stop complaining. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. uh, and, so and, it's and, always got to work. Yeah, and when we got there, um, they had prepared such an amazing <clears throat> um, <clears throat> excuse me, agenda where... Uh, they were singing as the, as the students walked in. They, you know, they were singing some traditional music, and they were like, "Is that for us?" I said, "Yeah," but ultimately, they got a chance to be a part of uh, a dedication of one of the libraries 
that the the bangle that we sold for that uh, you know sort of Girl Scout cookie uh, to raise money for it was to to create um, these trailers uh, that put books in them in libraries because they didn't have any libraries and so. Right. Uh, they were able to actually be a part of one of those dedications that they were selling the bangles for. You know, That's the awesome. 360. Yeah. Nice. So transitioning, you have that going on, and because I, I know you got to get out of town here coming up, so you can definitely talk for, for hours. Absolutely. No, we're gonna keep building. We, you know, we haven't even talked about the things we done uh, cooked up for the kitchen. Exactly. Well, yeah, we can yeah. take a pause. <laughs> we can take a break and come back if you got more time. Uh, yeah, let's do that. Okay. Let's, let's do that. I look forward to it. We'll be back. All right.